Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Somos Mas, the official podcast of Somos Mas NM and your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and the New Mexico Runners. My name, of course, is Seth Bidoff. Joining me this evening, we have Jacob Terrell, Earl Nieto, and no, that is not Coach Eric Quill below me. Uh, Coach, unfortunately, couldn't make it. Uh, He's experiencing some power outages over where he is at. And so joining us this evening, New Mexico United Director of Communication and Fan Experience, David Weesey-Carl. David, appreciate you stepping in and uh, offering offering to fill in Coach's spot this evening. And uh, hopefully we're able to get Coach on soon, but we're certainly glad to have you here this evening. Yeah, I am uh, many things. Uh, Most notably, uh, among the things I am not, is Coach Quill. Uh, But... (laughs) Happy to fill in. Sorry, uh, sorry that I won't be able to provide maybe some of the insights. Definitely some of the insight that he would have been able to. But happy to help where I can. Yeah, so I we, do want to. I do, do want to point out that this is David's second time filling in this week. If, if for those keeping count, this week. Well, I count Saturdays this week. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, that's true. I did fill in on the broadcast, which was. Uh, I don't know if you guys uh, had a chance to go back and watch the clip of Amando's goal, which I'm sure we're going to get to. Yes, he's uh, like me on the sidelines. There is a uh, distinct, high-pitched whoop when he hits that, and that is that is me, my inner fan leaking out. <laughs> yeah, we, we all try very hard to be professional up in the box. Uh, some nights more than others, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll obviously get that a fantastic call there. On both sides of the broadcast, both uh, both on the radio and TV. I didn't hear the Spanish version of of it yet, so. Mm. Uh, I assume that, that, that Minnie's call is equally as entertaining. So, um, but yeah, I mean, obviously we're coming off of, you know, the first win in the, uh, coach Eric Quill era. Um, David, what from your perspective has been the, has been the fan reaction? Obviously the first two games, people, uh, didn't come across as all that impressed. Um, there were some questions as to whether, what the changes actually were and how things are going to look now. We know, and you know, that coaches only had a handful of a handful of practice uh, training sessions with the guys to that point. Uh, what's the what's the what's the reaction been across social media since the win on Saturday? Seth, I think you're on Reddit too much, man. Honestly, the reactions I was seeing across social media, even before getting the win on Saturday, were weren't all where's the where's the change or what's different. It was a lot of okay, we didn't win, we got a draw, we got a loss, whatever it may be. But you can start to see the first pieces of, of things changing. We're a lot more attacking. We're a lot more interesting. Um, and, yeah, we would have liked to have gotten three points, of course. But I think before the win, that that was the reaction. Like, okay, we're moving in the right direction. So we can see the breadcrumbs as we kind of move our way through it. Um, and then, obviously, after the win on Saturday, uh, that was very much a positive reaction. Uh Winning, and not just winning, but winning in that way. Um, Amando's goal, unbelievable, spectacular. Um, and just the way that they were, the guys were pushing up until I would say probably maybe the last 15 minutes when they did sit back, maybe more than I personally would have liked as a fan. Um, you know, maybe some old habits there. Um, but, you know, coaches talked about in the early going here and some of his post match and pre match press conferences trying to break some old habits. And I think sitting back when you've got a one goal lead is one of those habits that he's working on trying to fix. Um, you know, it's a lot harder for you as an opponent, as my opponent to attack when I'm putting you under pressure. And I think coach Quill is trying to instill that as much as he can. 
Yeah, that's something that we've heard him talk a lot about in, in a lot of in most of his pressers and in, in his introductory press conference. And I think a lot of us have noticed some of the different things that are going going on, particularly the reemergence of Daniel Bruce as you know, getting in the starting role and just the impact that he's made. You know, obviously Bruce he is a fan favorite, and his performances over the past you know, week and a half under under Coach Eric have been quite phenomenal. Daniel Bruce, number nine. I love that. <laughs> that's fun. That's new. That's different. I mean, I, we've seen Brucey play right back, left back, right midfield, left midfield. We've seen him on the wings. We've seen him through the middle. We've never before Saturday night seen him play number nine. And I really enjoyed that. Um, and it wasn't necessarily just for the goal, although the goal was great. You know, I'll take the goal. Definitely. He's got two just since, since coach took over. Um, but the thing that I really, really liked about it, I'm sure you guys noticed it too, was his terrific holdup play. I mean, the way he would receive a ball from Hersey, who's playing kind of in the B's role in that kind of roaming number 10, he receives a ball with his back to the defender. Um, he knows the defender's on his back and he's holding there, waiting for the diagonal run from Amanda or the diagonal run from Sergio. It opens those guys up and leaves the center back who's on Brucey flat footed. It worked over and over again. And, and, you know, I said this on the broadcast, Colorado Springs defensively throughout the year has really, really, really tried to push opponents to the wings. They do that a lot. They try and keep you out of the center. Um, but we didn't seem to mind. I mean, we were pushing through the center, and and Coach, again, talked about it in his post-match press conference. It does potentially leave you open to counters, um, you know, when you play through the center that much. But it worked. It worked really, really well, and Colorado Springs didn't really have an answer for it. I mean, we could have had four. Um, but it's just, I think, that hold-up play from Brucey, and I was talking to him yesterday. Uh, he was uh, doing a clinic for at the Brillas Community Center, which because he's a wonderful guy. Um, and he was talking about, um, you know, his body. You know, it's it's a lot of work playing number nine, but it's a different type of soreness. Um, and he one that he said he really enjoyed um, because you know you're playing out on the wings, and he's talking about you know you're getting jabs from defenders, and you're getting run into in the back and knocked over. I mean. Brucey leads the team in fouls drawn this year, and Harry's a close second, and those guys play in similar positions out on the wings. But as a number nine, it allows him – he knows if, if he's got his back to a defender in that situation, they're not going to clatter through him because then we get a beautiful free kick, like in a really dangerous area. So I like Brucey in the number nine spot. I'm interested to see how much that's going to stick around because Coach talked about wanting to win in different ways. Maybe that's just one of the ways we'll, we'll try and do that. If, you're, if you are joining us on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter this evening, obviously Coach Quill not with us this evening. He couldn't make it due to a power outage. So stepping in, David, we see Carl. Um, as always, if you're in the chat, please throw your questions and comments up there. We'll get them to David throughout the evening, and uh, we'll get those answered for you as long as, as well as our own questions that we have for David. So I want to say this power outage was rigged by David. I think David just wanted some 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 more airtime. I was going to be just here in the background the whole time, just making sure that Earl didn't say anything that made Coach uncomfortable. Uh, so uh, <laughs> that's you know. why I haven't oh, done that yet. <laughs> yeah. So now you can say you, something to make me uncomfortable, I guess. You would have as much luck doing that as you do keeping Peter quiet. So yeah. I, 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 have, I <laughs> expect that I will have zero success in either of those realms. Yeah. Speaking of keeping Peter quiet, he's been sporting a particular T-shirt of late. Um, I know it's been seen at the at the lab. I don't know if he's been wearing it on public. Is there anything the club is willing and able to announce regarding a stadium at this point? <laughs> Are you talking about the Lagoon CS? Yes, I, I hate that shirt. <laughs> oh god, I hate that shirt. It, it probably brings back some 
some bad memories for you there. Man, I punched a wall at Electric Playhouse that <laughs> night. I really did. I'm not a violent man, but I was not happy. Um, now there, there's there's uh, I know that they're they're still pushing. Uh, they're still working. Uh, I don't think it, it'll surprise any of you to know that you know look. Lagoon Fiesta, Balloon Fiesta, uh, is is the the target at the moment, um, and it, it has been. There's continuing to push towards there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised to to see uh, you know some movement on that in the next few weeks. Um, maybe something a little more visual. There you go. That's what you got. Very cool. I think that's the I think it's the biggest step that we've had other than the Pete leak out at Electric Playhouse. Um, I also think that's the biggest David leak that we've ever got in our lives. It's like the biggest one that I've ever done. So there you go. Yeah, and we certainly appreciate it. you. Know, we appreciate having the having the line to the club, and you know, uh, we've certainly had our guesses when it comes to player announcements. Uh, even coaching announcements, and uh, you typically play a little bit coy with us when we bring names to you. Um, you know, obviously, you it's not that I'm playing coy; it's that I I often just don't know. I'm going to be very clear. Sometimes I'm playing coy, but I think more often Pete just doesn't tell me. He tells you guys before he tells me. <laughs> yeah, Pete. Um, I had I, we definitely had some interesting conversations with Pete, um, both on and off the air. Um, now, you know, obviously, you know, we know there are things that 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 we hear and we know that we we don't talk about. You know, for you know, out of respect for you and your position and for Pete and the club, because you know, we do try to treat this as a treat ourselves as a legitimate news source, and we want to be able to you know, bring things you know as it's available. Um, and and so. You've talked a little bit about, and we were there at the. I was there at the press conference anyway for for Eric's uh, introductory introduction, and Itamar was there. Uh, talk to us a little bit about bringing Itamar back. He spent some time with the club last, uh, I think it was two years ago. Left, came back. Um, obviously, I think he was instrumental in bringing uh, Kevon Freider back uh, last year. Um, what was that decision like to bring Itamar in, and what kind of is, what kind of role is he stepping into uh, since he's now seems to be a different position than what he had before. Yeah, yeah. Before he was the uh, director of player personnel mm-hmm. uh, when he was with us before and, and did a really great job. He brought in uh, people like uh, Carl Sainty. Uh, you know, Carl was completely, relatively undiscovered out of Haiti, you know, playing for a small club out there um, and doing doing well, uh, well enough that Itamar noticed him and he's got contacts kind of all over the world. So uh, he did a really great job, uh, left uh, after last season. Um, you know, again, that wasn't the only player he brought in. Radio Vuka is another one. Kevon bringing him back. You know, these are players. But he's also he was also the agent for players like Kalen Ryden, Christian Nava, um, prior to uh, serving in that role in the first place. But uh, yeah, he came back uh, this year, obviously in a, in a deeper, uh, bigger role um, as our uh, as basically the person who heads up our player acquisition, coach hiring and firing. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff um, is now under Itamar's purview. It's a much bigger role as a technical director. Um, uh, and so he's, he's doing really important stuff. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, he was already crucial in the coaching search prior to his being announced. He and Pete uh, were kind of working behind the scenes when we had heard that there was an, a possibility that Zach could be going to New York Red Bulls. Um, you know, when, when Troy was announced as the, as the coach there, I think, all of us thought, oh, my God, that's so awesome for Coach. That was the first thing. And the second thing we thought was, oh, shit, they might take Zach. 
and then uh, we kind of learned later on that that was potentially going to be the case. So Pete got to work, uh, reached out to Itamar, who he already was you know, working with and having conversations with. And this is well before anything was announced. So Itamar's already played a crucial role um, in that and bringing in Eric uh, and uh, excited to see what he's going to continue to do. So before Itamar got that role, when Zach and, and, and Troy, if I remember correctly, they they technically had that title as well, did they not? Yeah, so it's it's a it's a slightly different title. It's a very similar one. So technical director, uh, head coach slash technical director was what Troy and Zach uh, both were. Uh, Itamar's title, exact title, sporting director. Um, so it's similar in the player acquisition, contracts, all of that kind of stuff. The piece that I would say um, is added to that, and there's probably some pieces I don't know about, but the piece that I guess I'm aware of um, would be the kind of the technical staff uh, management as well. So coaches um, across the board, so head coach all the way to assistant coach and, and everyone in between. Um, you know, we've got a technical staff of five folks, and, and Inamar oversees them as well. So typically when a new head coach comes in, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, usually they bring in their own staff, like first assistant coaches, goalkeeping coaches. How did that play out that the current line of assistant coaches got to stay in their spot? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and then you're right. Typically uh, when a new coach comes in, um, they bring in their own, they bring in their folks, you know, the people they know, the people that they've worked with in the past, people they're comfortable with. Troy bringing in Zach is a great example of that, right? As soon as Troy uh, had the opportunity to, you know, take over the the starting, not the starting, the head coach role, uh, he's not in the 11, uh, at New York Red Bulls, uh, he brought in his guy, which is Zach. Um, in this situation, uh, from from what I've been able to, to gather, it was, it was more Eric came in and really liked the guys. Um, you know, he had conversations with each of them, uh, you know, met with them prior to meeting with the players, um, and really enjoyed spending time with them, really enjoyed the philosophy, really enjoyed kind of what they have going. I mean, we, I, I should try and get you guys in touch with some of these assistant coaches, um, you know, the technical staff, and maybe we can get one, one of them on here because Mac and Junro and Luke and Nate, and I mean, they are, they are really good at what they do. James Salazar, who heads up our operations, um, you know, Carlos Olivas is director of sports medicine. We have really great, really intelligent soccer minds and just people who who understand the game but also understand people and i think that's maybe the more crucial thing uh, than understanding soccer is understanding the people in the locker room how to communicate with them how to get the best out of them make them feel included and seen um and we've got a really really great technical staff who do that and much more yeah, I know. I, for one, would love to speak to other members of the technical staff. It's something that I, I've certainly been interested in and in talking to, especially the guys that are working with the with U23s in the academy and, you know, just seeing what, you know, what what more what their role, role is, understanding what it is that they do, and then just, you know, how they help scout and develop talent as well. Yeah, I, know I that's, mean, that's real big you, on Coach Will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tomorrow, to that point, tomorrow, both the academies, the academy boys and the U23s are both playing in Santa Fe. Uh, so Academy play at uh, four o'clock um, and U23s play at seven o'clock at Santa Fe High School, both of them. Um, and Coach Quill's going up. Uh, he's going to go watch. He's going to go check them out. He's going to go see how they play in, in a match situation. He's had opportunity to see them in training. 
Um, but this is going to be his first opportunity to go up there and really see them in a match situation, which, by the way, both of them in first place uh, in their respective divisions. U23 is in first place in the Mountain Division of the of USL League Two, and the Academy is still undefeated. Uh, best record in the entire country. They've played eight matches, won seven, and drawn one. Um, so uh, really, really exciting. You guys should, if you get an opportunity tomorrow um, and you're looking for something fun to do, head on up there. It's uh, the Academy match is free. Uh, and the U23 matches, I think, like 15 bucks. And there's a clinic for kids for 10 bucks. It's we're trying to make it as affordable as possible, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, Academy has always been a high point for United since its inception, and obviously the U23 is doing well. Also, I will say the USL League One website, League Two, League Two website. I'm sorry, League Two, I mean League One as well. But both the websites for that are just terrible to navigate. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's just I don't I don't know maybe the. Maybe they need to find a new host, a new, you know, for, for their websites, but. I just, uh, I just recently updated our Academy uh, page on the United website. And mm-hmm. I've been now, I, I kind of read, read, completely redid that. And now I'm updating after every match, you know, goal scorers and uh, minute and highlights and all that kind of stuff. So for Academy stuff, uh, we've got that now all on our website. Um, the U23s is a work in progress as well, just because to your point, like I kind of, feed that stuff from the usl league too uh and so it's it's it can be a bit of uh can be a bit of a swamp i guess yeah yeah it definitely can and that's i mean even the main usl championship website is not as user-friendly as it was even a few years ago and that was a mess then mm. i mean it's hard it's hard now to get even like individual player stats yeah. So actually what I do for that, uh, and, and feel free to, to use this as well. So if you go to, you go to the Googles, um, you type in USL championship clubs. Uh, the first one that comes up, the first thing that comes up, uh, is going to be, uh, the USL championships page that has all the clubs go to the individual club you're looking for, hover over them and click player stats. That's how I found the best stats in real time. It's not the most in depth, uh, but it's what I use for like match notes and things like that. Yeah, that's been. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, their 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 website needs some work. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, it's. But honestly, it's it's the best source outside of local media, no matter which club it is. You know, because obviously ESPN isn't great. You know, you could even look at you know, Soccer Way or you know some of the other websites that that do tend to carry stats and data. even transfer market has some stats, but I don't think transfer market even is a hundred percent accurate. So. Yeah. I don't trust them. Uh, they've gotten stuff wrong uh, once or twice that has burned me. Cause I, I used to go to them for stats at times and um, they had a, a few things wrong that I put in match notes and got a little slap on the wrist there from the league. So yeah. uh, I, I take that as like a general reference point for, from transfer market. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to ask you too, David. The club, uh, the club schedule this year, a lot of uh, theme nights, schedule nights. You know, obviously Devin Sandoval night was one of the bigger ones this year. We just had Pride on the pitch. Um, you know, what goes into the planning of these? Obviously, there's a lot. You know, the three Dallas Cowboy Hall of Famers are there Saturday night. Do some other involvement here in town. I know you're not particularly happy about that fact. Um, yeah, I, was I have a funny you, story about that. How did you feel about having three Dallas Cowboys there? So it was, it was actually pretty funny. So it was two Dallas Cowboys and one one uh, Washington footballer. Yeah. Um, but uh, we had them. So we have this thing that we do before games sometimes called Behind the Shield. It's a it's a behind the scenes tour. Um, Seth, you're well aware of it. Uh, you've seen it up in the press box. Um, Jacob and Earl, you may have as well. Uh, but essentially, we bring a group 
Um, sometimes it's uh, fans, sometimes it's uh, community partners, sometimes it's kids, whatever it is. But we bring them up in all these different parts of the stadium. So they'll go, they get to go down on the field, they get to come up in the press box, they uh, get to go, you know, meet with coach ahead of the game, all that kind of stuff. It's a pretty cool thing that we like to do. Uh, so up in the press box, um, we had those three guys up there. Um, and part of the, the tour is each of us in the press box kind of lets them know like, hey, my name is blank, I do this. So it came around to me and I said, hey, my name is David Weesey Connell. I'm the director of communications and fan experience, lifelong Eagles fan, go birds. Um, and uh, Tony Dorsett flipped me off. <laughs> Uh, and so my response to that was, oh, number one, it's our position in the division. Um, but uh, that was, it was fun. I can say that I've been flipped off by somebody wearing a Super Bowl ring now. So that's cool. <laughs> Great life achievement there. Um, but yeah, get back to the theme nights. You know, so talk to us a little bit about what goes on with that. You know, we've heard, I've heard Jules give the speech as far as you know, what she does you know, on match days and leading up to that and you know, her involvement with the player appearances. You know, as far as just the, the events at the stadium, you know, whether it's the – whether it's the pre-match, you know, the, uh, the stuff, the stuff that goes on, you know, during the match, you know, how much goes into each of these nights and how important is it that, that, that the club use these to try to connect with the community? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I wish, I wish I could have Jules here to, to answer that question because she does so, so much towards making that happen. I mean, she, she dedicates, I can't even tell you how many hours to some of these theme nights, but as far as kind of deciding on what the theme nights are, let's, let's take it back to early, you know, when we get the the schedule, right? So typically, um, you know, we'll get our schedule late in the year, you know, December, certainly. Um, and from there uh, we start thinking about, all right, these are the dates, these are the opponents, what are we trying to accomplish here, right? We know we've got a few theme nights like Meow Wolf Night, like Pride on the Pitch that we want to do every single year. Those are some of the bigger ones. Um, but then, all right, what can we do that's different this year? What can we do that's fun and exciting? What can we do to bring people in who otherwise might not have a reason to come to a United game, right? Maybe they're not soccer people, right? Um, so we, we think about those things. Um, you know, we have a big brainstorming meeting uh, with some of our folks. Jules is, is leading that session. Um, we have a lot of conversations about that. We then come back with some of those ideas. Um, like I said, some of them are repeats because we think they did really well. Um, some of them are our new things. You know, we this will be, uh, I believe it's the first year we've done a salute to service. Um, we've done like a 4th of July, but this is obviously not on the 4th of July. It's, it's our salute to service night that's our next home game. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do that this year. So then from there, we have our theme nights all laid out. And then we say, okay, Let's dive into these theme nights. What do we want to do? What can we do to make these exciting and interesting and different? And the the big charge that Pete gave us this year uh, was what can we do to make them immersive, right? Um, what can we do to make people feel like they are immediately part of it? And so we have some elements that are in every theme night, like the national anthem, the ball walkout, the first kick. And we try and figure, you know, fill those places in uh, with with people uh, to perform those that are relevant and interesting and, and will get people excited. But then from there, you know, that's the easy part, quote unquote. Um, but from there, we, we dive into what can we do to make it different? What can we do to make it fun? What can we put on the concourse? What can we put in the, you know, work with the supporters groups to get in the tailgate lot? What can we do with all of these different things? We make a lot of phone calls. Uh, we also have uh, tryouts every year for the national anthem singers. Um, and, you know, based on those, you know, what makes sense? You know, do we have, uh, you know, for the upcoming salute to service, uh, we have the, the army band 
uh, is going to do the national anthem, and they're incredible. Um, they're going to do a really, really great job. We have the had the gay man's choir, gay man's chorus do the uh, national anthem at Pride on the Pitch. So making them all relevant uh, is really interesting and, and fun. But then you know we got rainbow smoke bombs for Pride on the Pitch. Um, you know we're going to do. We've got some really exciting things. I'm not going to tell you about for Blackout Night um, that we've never done before. You know things like that. Um, and sometimes we like to spill the beans on those like a week ahead of time to get people excited and buying tickets. But sometimes we just like to surprise and delight people um, and let them discover it when they get into the stadium. And that's a lot of fun too. Yeah, it definitely is. Obviously, you know, I, we don't always get to experience it from the fan perspective, but it is still enjoyable for us to see the things in and around the stadium and, you know, to hear the crowd and, and their reaction to everything that's going on, the play on the pitch, the the atmosphere in general. Um, talking about that a little bit, with the results this year, ticket sales seem to be slightly down compared to where they where they were a few years ago. How's the club feeling about uh, number one, the, the performance on the pitch and the correlation between that and ticket sales and, you know, where are things at as far as that goes? Every challenge is an opportunity, man. Um, you know, it's, you're right. Uh, overall, you know, it's, it's slightly down as far as uh, ticket sales go, but not, not hugely or crucially. Um, I think a big part of that has been the play on the field. Um, and I think that's something that, Pete and Itamar really wanted to address uh, in in hiring coach. You know, coach is a winner, and New Mexicans are notoriously fickle people. That's what we are. Uh, you know, we like a winner, um, and we want to see wins. And, and this team, New Mexico United, we pride ourselves on being the best of what we can be and showing the world what New Mexico is capable of. And that means going out there and, and – giving everything we have to win every night. So, um, you know, I think there's some folks who are going to come no matter what, right? You got your season ticket holders or you have people who purchase every week. Um, you know, New Mexico United could lose every single game, God forbid, and they would come every single week, right? Then you have your folks who are really hard to reach, um, you know, who might not be interested in soccer, but maybe we're trying to reach them with those theme nights that we talked about earlier. And then I think you've got a big portion of people uh, who are somewhere in between. You've got, they're not quite diehards there every single game. Um, you know, maybe they go to a couple games a year, but they're way more likely to go if the team's performing well. There's an excitement when we're winning. There's a FOMO. There's a, a fear of missing out when you miss that game on Saturday. If you were not at the game and you were not there when Amando scored the best, one of the best goals we've ever seen in the history of this club, you probably feel like you missed out. And so I would be willing to bet, particularly if we beat up, when we beat El Paso, um, you know, I think that there's going to be a lot of interest uh, in this next game. I think it's going to boost ticket sales. We see when we're winning, we'll see the numbers jump up. And when we're losing, we'll see the numbers jump down. But what we do in the front office, we got to kind of ignore what happens on the field to an extent, right? You know, we, it can't dictate our emotions, even though we're fans first. That's hard. Uh, you heard my woo. Um, so, you know, I'm a fan first. Uh, but we still need to do what we're doing. We still need to keep pushing. We still need to try and reach people, have the impact that we want to have in our theme nights. Um, and when we win on top of all that, like we saw on Saturday, we had an impactful, amazing, fun, welcoming theme night. And then, by the way, we played really well and won. That's the, that's the beautiful thing. That's the chef's kiss. That's what makes everything lovely. So a couple things. Um, one is a kind of silly question, and two is an actual legit question. Um, because what would, I be, what would I be without a shit show, right? Um, 
So there's this fun game that I play with my girlfriend and her kid, and we have secret words. So at what point do we get astronaut night or astronaut awareness night or a monster duck night? I'll let you answer that one first. Thank you. I appreciate you letting me answer that one. Um, monster duck night. Uh, can I ask for a little bit of elaboration on monster duck night? Cause that's exciting. I like monsters. I like ducks. Is it like a duck monster truck? Um, I want to say it's an oversized duck. So okay. I actually don't know. I was leaving their house yeah. and she said, your secret word today is monster duck. Okay. And so I, and I walked away. I, I'm going to answer your question with a question my, uh, myself. Would you rather fight a thousand duck sized horses or one horse sized duck? One horse sized duck. And it's not even close. I so disagree. I so what? disagree. Ducks are terrifying and like angry and mean. And if you want horse sized, Oh my God, that's horrible. I've been oh. around a horses my whole life. I will take on a duck. <laughs> I have spent a lot of time around horses too. I, I would rather duck. have the little, the little horses. As somebody who has four kids, well, three kids that are, you know, a little bit bigger than duck size, but not much. Uh, they, the three of them can kick my ass. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should have changed it to a hundred instead of a thousand. I think I'd still take the horse-sized duck. You ever see that? They used to have this game. I don't know what game it was actually called, but I've seen like uh, videos of it where they you can pit random things against each other and they fight each other. It's like a thousand, uh, you know, ten thousand Roman soldiers against one howitzer tank or something like that, and they would play out the video. It used to be on TikTok. It was pretty cool. My God, where did I start here? Oh, also, astronaut night. Uh, I think that the uh, Galactic Ambassadors would like that quite a bit. That's, that'd be pretty cool. We've got SpaceX. Yeah, there, there you go. Maybe some tie-in down to you know, the spaceport down there. Yeah, I like that. Who knows? Uh, I've been told a horse-sized duck. That's the text response I got to that question. So Yeah, I, I disagree, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'd much rather have the small horses than... The duck-sized horses. Then you can just kick them. Just kick them away. Exactly. You know how you know how fragile horse legs are. Yes, Stephen is correct. <laughs> uh, horse legs, horses like racehorses, notoriously, you know they if they break a leg, what do you do? You take them around back, and that's not actually a thing that happens. But that's what happens on the farm, right? Horse breaks a leg, you take them around back, and you. Hey, they hey, go hey, to a nice hey, farm this, upstate. This is a family show. They go to a nice farm upstate. I'm just saying horses' legs are very fragile. And if they're that small, just kick them. That's it. If I do not condone that, kicking small animals, by the way. You're going to kick a thousand of them? Your leg will fall off by the time you kick all of them. I mean, it'd be and pretty you're gonna tiring. Kick, you're going to have to kick some of them twice. I think Earl and I changed it to 100. It's still a lot of kicking. It's, it is. It is. Correcting David, and I don't usually correct David. Um, they don't go out back. Um, Ferdinand taught me that they go up to the eraser shop. Oh, yeah. There was a, the glue factory. This is getting dark, you guys. Uh, I do not condone violence against any animals. Animals are wonderful. Uh, don't kick horse sized ducks <laughs> or duck sized horses either. Either one. So, my girlfriend's daughter, AKA my bonus daughter, said. It's a monster. A monster duck is a big monster duck. 
is really big like a cow or a horse and it's also very mean interesting and my experience is my experience cows are typically very nice and my experience is absolutely no thank you yeah yeah no that's scary so my other question, my legit question is, <laughs> if you're just joining us, David, Car- David, we see Carl's with us tonight instead of Coach Quill uh, due to power outage, and uh, we're talking monster-sized ducks. Or duck-sized horses. Yeah. However you want to look at it. Either way, um, transitioning into actually what we're here for. Um, um... <laughs> no, Stephen, none of us play soccer. <laughs> well, David <laughs> might. Uh, not well. I referee, so I'm more of a tennis guy. I'm more of a golf guy, if you ask me. But that's yeah. oh, foot golf coming up. Yeah, uh, let's talk. Let's talk about that here real quick before, or, the, or let's get your question first. Yeah. Yeah. So, David, I got a question. I don't know if you can answer it or not. If you could even touch on it, uh, duck-sized horse. Okay, deal. Yeah. <laughs> um, so third year, uh, not third year, third head coach that we've had. We have a certain friend of well, friend of Jacob, really. Um, his name starts with a C. shout out Cole. Shout out to Cole because that's rent free in Jacob's head. Um, he's notorious for the hashtag whatever coach we have out. Um, can you allude to how much that affected any of the coaches that we had before, or if that even got to them before? Yeah, ultimately, uh, look, it comes down to what what Pete. Um, slash Itamar, you know, are looking for in a situation like this. And I, I can't say for certain, but I, I really doubt that they're seeing hashtag pick your coach out and saying, oh man, this fan thinks we got to get rid of this coach. So I guess we got to go. Um, now, all that to say, I'm sure fan sentiment matters, right? I mean, I'm not the one who makes the decisions on that. So it's difficult for me to say. We want fans to be happy. You know, we want fans to enjoy the performances. And I think it's more of that than any sort of hashtag or online discourse. It's more, hey, when we're at the stadium, are fans having a good time? You know, that matters a lot. That matters a lot. But I would I would be so bold as to say that I don't think anybody saying hashtag coach, pick your coach out, I don't think it's made a lick of difference. Um, but Again, I'm not the one making those decisions. Um, so we we, we kind of hinted at it here just a second ago, Dave. Let's talk about the uh, the foot golf tournament that's coming. Yeah, up. Uh, yeah. The club ahead, is sorry, a sorry. sponsor on this. Yes. Um, so what was that? Sorry, you the, cut the out. The club there. is sponsoring the, the tournament, or they yeah. So we're running we're running a tournament, a foot golf tournament on the fourth of July. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be over at. Uh, I'm not a golfer, but what I've been told is the best golf course uh, in New Mexico, Sandia. Golf course. I've been to that golf course and it's beautiful. Um, but it is, nice. it is not the best, but it is nice. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, foot golf tournament uh, coming up uh, on the fourth of July. Obviously, New Mexico United is on the road at Las Vegas Lights that evening. Uh, Two o'clock shotgun start. Um, I don't know what that means. That means but everybody starts at once. There you go. Okay, great. Two o'clock shotgun start. Um, there's, uh, you can have up to, I believe we're going to have up to 36 foursomes, um, and it's a scramble. So best uh, combined score wins. Uh, some really great prizes going to be out there. Uh, my team is probably the best team, um, and I don't think we'll be losing. 
so if anybody would like to try and and challenge us in that situation, please feel free. But if you think you can beat me, uh, Devin Sandoval, David Estrada, and Juan Agar Rivera, uh, I I challenge you to do so. Um, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, San Diego Golf Course, uh, your, your registration includes uh, food for you and your whole team, includes a swag bag for each member of your team, um, and there will be some prizes for the winners as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and then immediately after that, we'll have a watch party over at the San Diego Sports Bar for the away match. Sounds like a lot of fun. Unfortunately, I'm going to be out of town. I don't know if these guys might be able to make it out for that or not, but it sounds like Sign a pretty good time. Foot golf, foot golf is something I've done a couple times, and it's a lot of fun. I've actually I'm never even, done I'm it. I'm not even good at regular golf. <laughs> I, I've never actually golfed, like real golf. Um, I've done the driving range. I've done uh, putt-putt. I like both of those things. Those are great. But I've never actually golf golfed, and I've never played foot golf. Uh, but I feel like I've got two former pro soccer players on my team. I think I'll probably do okay. So there's great a question, question in the chat. Um, and I'll take this one, Jake yep. or Seth. Why the heck not? Um what ages can participate asking for a girlfriend? Yeah, kid, kids are welcome. Uh, we're not we're not putting any sort of age restriction on it. Uh, there will be alcoholic beverages served at the beer cart, at the, the golf cart, uh, beverage cart, I guess it's called. Uh, but obviously the kiddos can't have those. Um, but registration, uh, we've posted about it a few times. Um, but registration is open right now. Um, and like I said, you can sign up as an individual or you can sign up uh, with, you, with your team of four. Be a lot of, should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Sounds like it. Yeah, I wish I was just going to be here for that. Just so you know. And the money raised is all going to support the Academy as well, which there is pretty awesome. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Again, yeah, the Mexican Academy, the only fully funded Academy in the United States. So um, very uh, huge, huge deal, a huge accomplishment for the club and for the Academy there to, to be able to do that and provide that for the up-and-coming uh, players that United you know, highlights throughout the state and from – uh, you know, surrounding areas. So um, talk about another change at the lab this season. We saw a shift in the pitch, <laughs> a 7% or seven degree shift, I should say. Um, obviously, you know, one of the selling points of this is that they're, we're not using the pitcher's mound anymore. The club is using less turf. So obviously there's probably less cost to the club to do this. I mean, and this is uh, in conjunction with MILB and USL championship. Uh, what brought this about and why did it affect the broadcast camera so much? <laughs> uh, so it was actually, this is actually from major league baseball, okay. uh, specifically from, from the Rockies. Uh, they kind of issued an edict down to the isotopes uh, because they uh, had, uh, I guess had a couple players who had gotten injured um, as a result of what we were told. The, the way that the mound works is they pack all the, the dirt down onto the mound um, and it takes time to settle. Um, so when the mound has to come up every other week or every third week or whatever it may be based upon the schedule, uh, that doesn't give the mound time to settle. So when you have players pushing off of their pitchers, throwing a pitch or going to feel the pop fly or whatever it may be, um, you kind of have a more of a looser dirt there and, and it can result in, in injuries and apparently has resulted in injuries. So the Rockies issued that down to the, excuse me, to the isotopes. The isotopes had no choice in the situation. Um, they let us know, hey, this is something that we're going to have to do. Um, and they were incredibly collaborative and helpful through that process. Um, they said, hey, you know, the Rockies have told us we can't be on the mound um, anymore. We can't have the, the soccer field on the mound anymore. Let's work together to figure out what the best possible way to 
do this is that doesn't impact the fan experience in a negative way as much as possible um, and still provides for player safety, which is, you know, those are the two most important things. Um, and so we went out there, uh, myself, uh, Ron Patel and Clint Gray uh, went out there. As soon as they got that information, we worked directly with John Traub and, and, and uh, Thomas, who's the head groundskeeper there at Topes um, and just walked the field, said, okay, these are the dimensions that we've had for the field uh, throughout the season. We cannot adjust those dimensions. We can't do that in the middle of the season. And frankly, we don't want to. Um, so how do we fit, you know, this field at these dimensions, um, you know, while also not running over the mound? And the initial way that we had it was actually right next to the pitcher's mound. But then there were concerns about the assistant referee having to run up and down there. Um, and then if you got to throw in, you know, you got to go across the mound, that doesn't feel good. And if a player gets, you know, run over, which happens and they get trucked onto the mound, that's not going to feel good either. So we adjusted it a, a little bit further from there and, and we were able to come up with a solution that, frankly, I was surprised that it worked out as well as it did, because when this was initially brought to us, we're like, oh, my God, this is going to be the worst thing. Fans are going to be so upset. It's going to adjust all this stuff. The sight lines are going to be horrible. But we were able to go through and we were sitting in individual sections throughout the stadium saying, OK, how does this affect the view? How does this affect the view? How does this affect the view? And we really struggled to find a place where the view was hugely negatively affected. Now, obviously, that's subjective, right? Um, you know, if I'm a fan, I may prefer seeing the game this way or that way, and it may be very different. But we've we we came up with a plan to have again collaborative collaboratively with the isotopes of this is how we adjust the field. Um, this is how we make sure that there's enough space for corner kicks here, and there's enough space for fans there, and all of that kind of stuff. And then uh, internally, as the club. We said, okay, how can we make sure, you know, we, we feel pretty good about where the field's going to be, but how can we make sure that nobody is negatively affected, right? So how do we do that? And that's, that's a tall task when something like this happens. And what we came up with strategically was, okay, if you are a fan and we said, give it a try for that first match, you know, see what you think, see what the view looks like, um, and, and let us know what you think. If it doesn't work for you, if you don't like it, Come talk to us and we will move you. No questions asked. We will find the place that works for you and we will make it work and we will we'll do our best to, to make sure that you're in a place where you like to be. So, you know, I'm in this section and my view is a little different. I don't necessarily like it. Okay, come talk to us. Let's find, let's go look at the map. Let's find the place where you want to be. And we've had a few folks, but not many, not a ton of people. And I, I'm, I'm really, frankly, proud of that. I'm, I'm glad that we were able to find a solution for everybody and, um, again, still to this day, you know, if, if, if you haven't, maybe you haven't been to a match since the field has shifted and you're going to go to your seat and you think, okay, this isn't, this isn't the ticket I paid for. This isn't what I liked. We'll move you. We'll, we'll make it happen. Um, and we will, we will make it, make the best out of it. Would, do you think this shift would have been able to be possible with the Hill last year? No, it wouldn't have. Um, because the, actually, if, if you look at the way the field's set up now, the corner, uh, the northeast corner hits a spot where the, the, that hill was there last year. Um, I never understood those hills in baseball. I know that they look cool, but I feel like they're way more of a risk than, than they're worth in my opinion. Just a gimmick. Yeah. It was a weird gimmick. Um, but yeah, no, it wouldn't have worked last year. So, uh, I guess the timing is, is kind of perfect in that regard and, it is obviously the thing I'm going to always say. One more reason for us to have our own stadium and not have to worry about something like that. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And like you said, there may be something in the coming weeks about that. So, um, I, I mean, let's stick with let's stick with the pitch itself. Let's talk about you know, the play that we're seeing. Well, um, you know, obviously United back on the road this weekend. El Paso, El Camino Derby Day, whatever, whatever people call it now. You know, I just I, I'm, I've heard Camino uh, was it Derby del Camino Real, and I've heard, also heard the Rio Grande Derby. Yeah, I've heard that one as well. I know that one was pushed pretty hard uh, back in like 2019, 2020. Yeah, and it's kind of shifted a little bit. Um, looking ahead, obviously, you know, we talked. We, we've talked off air. We talked, you know, in person. We did our prediction show a number of weeks back, and none of us, at least you know, the three of us and, and Harry Austin out of San Antonio, none of us were bigger on were big on El Paso this year. I was thinking about that the other day um, when I saw them hit twelve unbeaten. I remember because I watched that episode, mm-hmm. um, and I remember thinking, I don't remember who it was, but some one of you three, I think, had El Paso in last place, or maybe it was Harry. I don't know, uh, but somebody had El Paso in last place, and. You know, I I don't think anybody expected them to do as well as they've done. Certainly, Mm-mm. no, not with the with the roster turnover they had, and then with coaching change yet again. Um, to me, they've just vastly outperformed expectations. Um, you know, w- w- this will be you know the second time playing them this year. What do you think is different now? Do you think Coach Quill coming in, having a full week with the club, is do you think that makes a difference going up against El Paso? Yeah. Yeah. I think it does. Um, you know, obviously you guys are well aware coach came in, had like two days to train and then had three matches in a week. Um, you know, he hasn't had the opportunity to really train with these guys full time. And, um, I'm excited to see with a full week of training. Uh, I agree, Josh beat El Paso always. Um, but a full week of training under his belt with these guys, I mean, I think that every game we've seen with Coach so far has been improvement on the game prior. Um, and so I'm excited to see, again, with a week of training, a week of implementing his style and his strategies and players playing here where maybe they haven't played there in the past and different formations and attacking style and uh, you know staying on the front foot and possession-heavy offense and all of these things. I mean, that's exciting. I, I, you know, we've historically had some success going down to El Paso. It's been fun. You guys remember the the opener last year. That was a friggin' blast. Um, I would love to go up there, go down there uh, and do that again. Uh, and I think, again, with another week under his belt and the guys gelling in that system, I, I would really like to see it happen. I think it would be great. I, I, Robert, I think we can all agree with that. <laughs> I think we can, um, you know, we don't have much interaction with the El Paso fan media. We have more interaction with, uh, with, with some other outlets. You know, obviously we talk to Harry and Robert quite frequently. Uh, we do have some interaction. Varying levels of tolerability, by the way. Harry's great. I love Harry. Harry's fun to be around. Harry's fun to listen to. There are, there are others that will remain nameless who are less fun. (laughs) Yeah. There are some that tend to, uh, Oh, I mean, that's just because he's Team Earl. So, you know, um, no, it's just there are certain there are certainly some some fan media, and there are there are some larger outlets. I will include in the term fan media, yeah. who are who are quite unfriendly and tend to push very uh, untruth, varying levels of of untruth, I should say. And so, like when just like real media. Right, exactly. You know, <laughs> um, so when it comes to these rivalry matches, you know, whether it's El Paso, Colorado, Phoenix, um, 
you know, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Do you consider Colorado Springs a rivalry? Yeah. I, I, I'm curious. I've, I've actually, I've, I've wondered that. I know because some fans feel that way. Some fans don't. I, I'm genuinely curious. Do the three of you guys consider Colorado Springs a rivalry? I don't personally. If so, I, why? And if not, why? Okay. I do now. Okay. Uh, they, they were not before, mainly because the first several seasons, we just kind of did whatever I know we wanted with them. This one, Jacob. But they've, they have turned a corner to where they're, they're way more competitive. Obviously last year they finished, um, went to the, went to the Western final. Yeah. Ended up in the Western final. Um, it, it's a completely different team now, Agreed. uh, for the most part. But, um, what, what really cemented it for me was, uh, a Twitter exchange between Seymour and Romario Williams, uh, early in the season. And then they, the only thing about it is they're, it typically doesn't get as chippy as Phoenix and El Paso do, but we yeah. did see some chippiness. Obviously there was some, some back and forth Sergio. Uh, if you ask some people should have got a red, if you ask others, a yellow is, is what he deserved. Um, and so I think they're coming around as, as somebody, I think anytime you're that close in proximity and we have played them a lot, we, they were in our pod uh, or whatever you want to call them. Uh, for both those shortened uh, or the shortened uh, COVID season, and then the season after where we didn't quite fully up. <laughs> this is what happens when we move the time up. My kids are not asleep. <laughs> sorry, sorry, that was that was my fault. And then we didn't even get coached. So it's okay. Um, I'll be right there, Sander. Um, so so when you play them that many times and the games are close, the the record is is close at least recently. Uh, and then you get that chippiness in there. I think think we have to qualify it as as a rival game to an extent, but there's obviously different degrees of rivals. Sure. Um, and so they're they're a rival, but they're they're barely a rival if you want to. So wanna yeah, I I'm it. on the same boat as Jacob. Um, they weren't a rival until I met Jeff Caldwell. <laughs> because I am still on ESPN Plus, getting flipped off by Jeff Caldwell. <laughs> That's my claim to fame. Uh, I was Jeff not aware Caldwell. of that. Yeah, so Jeff Caldwell, if you're listening to this, um, you still owe me a shirt. Yeah, so, I mean, Seth, Seth, where are you on it? Yeah, I don't necessarily see them as a rival. I think they're – it's one of the – it's a, I would call it a regional matchup, but not necessarily yeah. a rival. There's not that heat there. There's not that tension there. And, yes, they – like Jacob said, they have turned a page, but – I don't see it as a rivalry, but you know, that's what I threw them in there. Cause I know some people do see that yeah. um, as the situation. I think I, I, I agree with you on that, Seth. I think um, just from what I've seen, I think the Colorado Springs front office tries to push it as a rivalry to try and sell tickets, to try and sell tickets, which is reasonable. That makes sense. Um, you know, we we've seen that from them. I have never as a fan taking off my uh, you know, front office hat and putting on my fan hat, I've never really seen Colorado Springs as a rival as a fan. Uh, Phoenix and El Paso, certainly. Um, you know, in season one, it was just Phoenix for me. Like, want to beat them all the time. And I believe still want to beat them all the time. Um, and then kind of El Paso developed into that. Uh, I like that from Adam. It's a chilly thing. Um, and then, yeah, I think the longer we continue to play them year in and year out, to Jacob's point, I think the more towards a rivalry it will probably – uh, maybe eek. Um, but, you know, the win the other night was our 10th against them, the first team we've beaten double digits. Um, and they have certainly gotten a lot better uh, since the stadium 
uh, since they got their stadium. You know, I think it was a big influx of, of commitment. Um, it seemed from from ownership and, you know, putting dollars towards players. And I mean, you guys remember the first few years, they were not good. They were not good. Um, you know, we played them, what, six, seven times and it, we won every time except once. Mm-hmm. Actually, 10, 10 wins, Josh, uh, uh, if you count the last one. And you're, I'm including one Open Cup match in there, obviously. So, yeah, nine in the league. Um, but, yeah, so it's uh, I, I don't personally consider it a rivalry. I can see why people would. But for me, it's Phoenix first for rivalries, El Paso second, and then a couple steps down to Colorado Springs in third, in my opinion. It, it also doesn't help the rivalry with them that their fans are are probably the nicest ones. That They're great fans. With, I love their fans. Uh, uh, on a regular basis anyways. And so, you know, we've got a very good rapport with the – but that's the way rivalry should be, in my opinion. I mean, like, I, I've gone up to El Paso and Phoenix and, uh, you know, seen people who have, they haven't been the nicest. And and that's not fun. And, you know, they've got every right to defend their space in whatever way they want to. It wouldn't be the way I would I would choose to do it, and that's fine. But I like going to Colorado Springs. And even if there is, like, that feeling of rivalry there, there's the, the thing that uh, they said in Minnesota when we went up there for the Open Cup match was drink 90 drink. I love that. Have a beer before the match, hate each other for 90 plus minutes, then go have a beer after the match. That's that's my opinion. I, I love that. It's the way it's been when we've gone to San Diego. It's the way we've been when we've gone to a lot of away games. Um, yeah, when, when when in between the lines, I hate your guts. I can't stand you. After the match, let's go get a beer. I love that. Unless you're from El Paso. Yeah, then whatever. So, would I ever tell you about uh, the time uh, year one when I almost got in a fight in El Paso? No, <laughs> that was fun. It's before I worked for the team, so there's that caveat. Um, so after the game, uh, we'd won, uh, by the way, or we might have drawn. I don't remember actually. I'm pretty sure we, we drew in year one. I think we may have in El Paso. I think we drew. We drew down there, and then we won here. I think that's what it was. Yeah. So uh, a group of us uh, were down in El Paso, uh, went out to a couple bars, a little bit of a bar crawl, um, hit a bar, had a drink, hit a bar um, and had a drink and then went to a third bar, which we did not know at the time uh, was El Paso's home fan bar. Uh, so a bunch of us, probably 20 to 30 of us walk into the bar and I see all these El Paso people. Again, I don't work for the team. Caveat that. Uh, I see all these people in El Paso locomotive jerseys, and what do I do? I yell, Sonos! And we hear the Unidos, and, and we do that that thing. And uh, this two guys come up to me and like, bro, you can't, you can't come in here. Like, they're getting in my face. You can't come in here. And I was like, okay. And I just walk past them, and I go to the bar. Um, and then they, like, start following me, and, like, one of them grabs me. And I'm not a fighter, you guys. I'm just throwing that out there. I've, I've never claimed to be. I'm a lover. Uh, I love my team, and I am very uh, passionate about that. Love my team. I love my community. But uh, they, like, grabbed me, and I'm like, oh, great. Here we go. Uh, I've also had a couple drinks. Um, and the only reason I probably didn't get my ass kicked that night was because 10-foot-tall Ron Patel stood up. Uh, and they saw him and they're like, Oh, and they backed off. Um, because if it wasn't for that, I, I probably would have had a really rough night, but then we sat there and we had our drinks and we, we did our thing. So, yeah. <laughs> Great story. <laughs> so thanks to Ron Patel. I still have all my teeth. 
<laughs> you know, Ron Patel, like he, yeah, he's a big guy, but like he knowing him personally, like he's also a teddy bear. <laughs> yeah. he, like he, he's, he's, I mean, I'm sure he could handle himself in a fight, but he's not a fighter, but they don't know that. Right. They just see this giant man and they're like, Oh, so he's the yeah. iron giant is what he really is. There you go. Yeah. A little flower and everything. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the whole direction I was going with that is, you know, dealing with, no, that, that's perfectly No, I love the story. I think it's fantastic. Um, dealing with like out of town media. I mm. mean, obviously, you know, we've had interactions, you know, getting passes, you know, down in El Paso and other places. And El Paso. You're trying to get me in trouble. Seth? No, 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 no. I'm trying to get you in trouble. El, El Paso is um, quite strict with their access. You have to have, you actually have to have two different passes to be able to be like one on one for on the field, one for off the field. And yeah, a little bit of a hassle. Um, you know, I don't see we don't see typically see too many out of town media come in. There are a few outlets that do send someone. Um, oh, you know, mean? when it comes to de- <laughs> when it comes to dealing with out of town media, um, you know, how does what what are the what's the direction from the league as far as handling that um, in terms of credentialing and make sure they have the access they need? Um, and has and you don't have to give give names. And has there ever been a, a time where you had to deny access to somebody for something? I have never denied access, and that's really important to me. Um, I will if I need to, but as somebody who I am a former journalist, um, I am really proud of that. Um, It's the most important thing I've done in my career. Maybe not my favorite, but the most important. Um, I think that the tenets of journalism are the fabric of who we are as a country. Um, Freedom of the press is crucial, um, and access is crucial. And and so I think... um, as a bit of an aside, I think that when I when I was a reporter, I found that a lot of public information officers or directors of communication, uh, people serving in kind of a similar role to what I do now, instead of doing what they could to assist journalists, they they served as roadblocks, um, and I hated that. I thought that was wrong, um, and so I vowed that when I made the, the switch from journalism over to the communication side, um, that I would never do that. That I would be, hey, I like that. Um, thanks, Josh. Uh, but I, I vowed that I would be a resource, that I would be helpful, that I would, you know, try and provide the access, like the whole reason we were going to have coach on, you know, and the uh, I guess the electricity hates journalism. But, um, you know, that stuff's important. And um, and I, I, I get really passionate about that. So I don't want to get on my soapbox for too long. Um, with that said, as far as the the league is concerned, kind of their rules and regulations, they, they really uh, do allow kind of the teams to kind of serve as their own confederacy in that they allow them to kind of make their own decisions in a lot of those spaces. Um, now, if you're just denying, um, <laughs> if you're just denying somebody because you don't like them, they may step in and say something. Um, but I don't think they really want to get involved in that. Um, you know, Matt Fisher uh, heads up broadcast uh, for the league. Uh, he's a great guy. Uh, as far as communicate on the communication side, Nicholas Murray and Will Coons, um, and Alexi, I'm mean, sorry, not Alexi Laws, Greg Lawless, excuse me, um, head up on kind of the communication side of things from the league level. They're all super helpful and great resources for us um, from the team perspective. Um, and I've, I've had situations uh, in the past uh, where I'm not going to name any names, but there was uh, one uh, fan journalist who was particularly consistently critical um, and frankly defaming the club. Um, and, uh, that individual, uh, requested a credential, uh, and I spoke to the league and I was like, any recommendation on what to do here? Um, because I don't, I don't want to deny anybody. I don't. 
Um, but if you're going to have somebody who's going to come in and they're just going to be talking smack about the club the whole time, that's not journalism. You know, that's just fanning out. Um, so that I kind of had a little bit of an internal turmoil on that. Um, you know, the league essentially said, like I said before, it's ultimately your call. You can make that decision. And ultimately I, I decided to allow this individual in. I, I credentialed them and, and everything went fine. Um, like I said, I've never denied. I don't plan on denying unless something crazy happens um, because I think people should have access. People should have access to the club and the team and people should be able to pursue their goals and their dreams. And, and you know, I think, you know, that often starts with starting a, a fan newspaper, you know, and uh, if, if that fan newspaper is just squashed because somebody decides it's not worth their time or it's a pain or whatever it is, then that stinks for everybody. Like let people shoot for those stars, let people chase their dreams. Like I never want to be in a situation where I tell somebody they can't achieve. And if you are looking at Jacob's camera, he is shaking because he is looking for that newspaper. I, I thought I had it. I thought I had a copy of it right here, but I guess it's I've got a it. copy. I've got a copy nearby. I think I'm, I'm gonna go, I, I've got it somewhere. Might be I, I've, I recently found the emails that have all of the copies in it, and uh, it, I'm I'm incredibly proud of what we pulled off. Uh, but it it was a difficult time, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean that that, that stuff's hard, man. Like. I don't think people, so again, I was a TV reporter, which is way different than doing newspaper um, or, or, you know, I, I wrote a lot, but it wasn't, it was for, for television. And I think people think that sometimes being a journalist is glamorous. Uh, it is not. I'm here to tell you it is certainly not. It is hard work and it does not pay well and it is long hours. And on the bright side, everybody hates you. Um, so you got paid. <laughs> that's right. I mean, and, and plenty of people start in a, at a volunteer space, right? Like my first journalism job, my first job out of college, uh, this is after getting my degree, uh, was 725 part-time, 725 an hour part-time uh, as a sports reporter. Uh, and I shot my own stuff and I edited my own stuff and I worked crazy hours and it was miserable. And I loved it. Um, and I did it for a while until I could move up and do the next thing. And, you know, I, I eventually made my way up to anchor and all these different things and had a great time. And, but if I was, if I was to tell you that that was easy, I would be lying. Uh, that is hard, but it is important. And that's like, that's why I'm never gonna, unless something crazy happens, I don't plan on ever denying a credential request. Speaking, speaking of access real quick, uh, can I get your thoughts? I don't think I've ever gotten your specific thoughts on it, David of the lack of transparency with um, contracts and and things like that in the USL without getting you in trouble? Yeah, no, no, it's a good question. Um, it's an important question. So I think um, I wish there was more transparency with regard to that stuff. Um, you know, the MLS, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm notoriously not the biggest MLS fan. I don't think that's shocking news to anybody. Um, I, I'll watch it. You know, I watch the Philadelphia Union and, you know, that's that's my team. Um, but as far as the way that they do some things, you know, I don't always agree. One thing they do really well is the transparency in contracts. They do they do a really good job with that. Um, the USL, again, I, I talked earlier about with regard to uh, kind of media decision making. 
they're kind of that confederacy allowing clubs to make their own decisions. It's the same way with, with contract stuff um, okay. to an extent. They allow clubs to make their own decisions, but because of that, every club has decided, well, it would be at a disadvantage for my opponents to know what I'm doing. And in order for that to change, all the clubs are going to have to agree that, okay, we're going to talk about these things. And no club wants to say, okay, well, I know nobody else is going to talk about their contract stuff, but you know what? I'm just going to do it because then they feel like they're putting themselves at a disadvantage. So I agree with you. I wish there was more transparency in that, but that's the reason why. Well, at least we know that now. I mean, we're yeah. five years into this thing, and I had <laughs> never, never heard that explanation as to why it was the way it was, and that I can at least respect that. I still hate it. Yeah, I hate I it too. It. As the person who puts the information out there, I hate it too. Um, you know, it's it's. I wish we lived in a world where, like, that stuff was just out there, and I I think it what it will take is some sort of edict from the league for that to happen. Is that the same with injuries? Why uh, not transparency there? Yeah, yeah. That a- I mean, that's all, it's all the same thing. It's all the same thing. And you know, I think the league, uh, the MLS, has requirements on, on injury stuff, right? For us, uh, they say, you know, let, you, let, let people know who's out and who's questionable and upper body or lower body, right? Like my what I would like is for it to be – Chris Weehan is out because he broke his kneecap and we expect him back in, you know, whatever it is, six weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks, whatever it's going to be. Um, I don't know what it is, um, but you see what I'm saying? Like that, wouldn't that be so much more interesting for fans and like give fans something to talk about? And, and instead of wondering like, Oh, is B is going to make it back before the end of the season? We don't know. Um, he will be back before the end of the season, by the way. Um, but you, you, you get, you get what I'm saying? Like you want fans talking about the team. You want fans talking about the league. You want fans talking about the players. When it's nebulous, that's harder to do. Well, and like we back to the contract thing, we love talking about you know uh, the off season. We I think I almost enjoy the off season podcast more just because they're less stressful. With, sure, you know because it, it with us. I think I think the entire front office feels you yeah, on that. Yeah, and so we like to to kind of guess or talk about the signings and and stuff like that. And it's hard when when we don't know you know, what they make, not even necessarily what they make, but how long they're going to be with us. Right. Um, Cause you guys have announced some multi-year contracts like when Kalen and, and Amondo and we all signed theirs and Nava and stuff. But uh, for the most part, we don't know if, if uh, in fact, who was it? Who was it this year? Oh crap. There's somebody this year that Pete leaked and said that it was a two year contract. Um, that track. And, and so, <laughs> so we, but we didn't know that until, Peter happened to leak it and we, I got excited for it. I can't remember yeah. who it was. It's going to bother me now, but, but uh, that's the thing you just said, you got excited yeah. for it. That's, that's yeah. the, that's the thing that like is missing when we don't have that. Right. When we can say, you know, uh, you know, when MLS can say Lionel Messi is signing this ridiculous contract for a bajillion years and he now owns the MLS, like, you know, that, that is a thing that while is a crazy contract, it got people talking. It got yeah, people sure. excited or, or hating it one way or the other. Like I'm sure Orlando city is not thrilled, but you get the point. Um, and yeah, no, I think we're all in agreement on that, but I do think it will take in order for that to happen. It will take an edict from the league. And then there's, there's a whole other aspect where you have people on Facebook uh, specifically that are complaining about us not spending enough money when we don't know how much money the club has spent on, on 
roster construction specifically. I don't and even know so, that. Right. It, well, and Pete at one point said during one of the after the uh, after the CBA came out that every the Mexico United player is making somewhere high five, low six. Uh, okay. I, I think Pete said that at one point. You know, that's so news it, to me. You knew more than I It's not like um, it, it's not like guys are making minimum wage. You know, right. So I mean, well, I, don't, I, don't so, I, don't I don't think we're at the bottom of the barrel. You know, no, I think, I think and we're spending more than like you know Colorado or well, well, yeah, maybe my, not Colorado this year, but like you know maybe Loudon yeah. or something. You know, my, there my were, argument, sorry, go ahead, Jacob. My argument the whole time to that guy was: Look, we know we spent a record transfer free free at the time to get Wehan back from Orange County. We know Galen coming when he joined us was the best center back in the league coming from our uh, Real Monarchs. Uh, we know Santi was on a pretty lucrative contract when we brought him back because it's the same contract that he signed with Phoenix. We just he just transferred to us. Hurst was top of the league one when he signed with Phoenix, and we know Phoenix spends money, so we know he probably had a decent contract, especially because strikers get more money. So we have to be, you know, upper mid would be my guess, but without knowing what everybody's contract is, or or not just with our club, but with all the other clubs. It's it's impossible to uh, to prove that, and it would just be another fun talking point for us here on the podcast, for fans, uh, especially during the off season, um, to to be able to go off of, and and at least now I know that hey, club doesn't want to say because it it'll put them at a dis- disadvantage or could put them at a disadvantage, which makes sense to me. Yeah, and and I think I. I also think it would be helpful for me, right, as as the comms guy, to be able to say like, "Hey, we just signed, you know, Joe Schmo for four for four years, right?" And like, you'll see, like, when a Premier League team signs a big player, they'll put like the year and they'll do all that kind of stuff. And, and we're, we've been able to do that a few times. And it's great. Like, it gets people pumped up when we sign Kalen and Amando, you know, and and these guys to these multi year contracts. And we said they're here through this time. Like that feels good like right it it allows fans to have some security and knowing like i can get that player on the back of my shirt because i know he's going to be here for a while you know i do that with arsenal i was just about to say that yeah yeah like when 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 arsenal you know announces a play like when i i go the new shirt just came out for arsenal a few like oh there it is all right uh so particular premier league team uh but like they you know they put out their new shirt and i was like oh i want to go get the shirt who should i get on the back of the shirt well i'm not going to get a player who's on the last year of his deal you know i'm going to get a player who i think can will be there for for a few seasons i'm going to get a player who i i know is is part of the club through and through and i think that's why my opinion one of the two reasons fans are so drawn to daniel bruce you know the field that, that was supposed to mute me so I could cough. I'm sorry. Um, but I think that's one of the two reasons fans are so drawn to Daniel Bruce as a player, right? First is his tenacity on the field, always going after. It's not that he's the most talented player. It's that he's just – he's so Mexican, right? And it's funny because he's not from here. But he's so Mexican. He's constantly fighting. He's constantly going after it. He's constantly going up against players that are bigger than him, maybe stronger than him, but he's not afraid, right? That's number one. Number two is that he has just – dedicated himself to this community. It's the same thing with Josh Suggs, right? He's, he's dedicated himself to this club and this community and people feel confident that he is going to be here and that he is part of this team and the fabric of this team. Um, and I think that's why fans 
are drawn to, to Brucey. And, and good point there from, from the chat. Multi-year deals are, are relatively new in the USL Championship. I mean, even when we came into the league, it was all pretty much one-year contracts. And that's not just for us, but the entire league. There were very few multi-year deals. There's, it's starting to grow more. And, and uh, who is that? Is that Robert? Yeah, it's Robert. Robert Robert's right. It, it does add stability to the league. Um, and and that's important. It's it it allows us to be more viable going forward. And and you might ask, you know, why are multi-year deals more stabilizing for the league? Think about it. Let's say Earl, you're a great player, and we sign you to a four-year contract, right? Sign you to a four-year deal. Um, you continue to grow. You continue to get better. You continue to kick ass. And you know, through the first season of that contract, then all of a sudden somebody in Europe comes calling, like, hey, we want to sign Earl. Well, great. We've got him on a three-year contract. You got to pay for a three-year contract, not a one-year contract. You can't get him on a free if we just had him on a one-year deal. All of a sudden, that's more money coming into the team, more money coming into the league. It's stabilizing for the league. You have the opportunity to sell on and bring that into the USL ecosystem. Multi-year deals, when are when they're done right, are are incredibly stabilizing. And one of the great things about USL is that money goes to the teams, to the clubs directly, not like MLS where it goes you know, to the league as a single entity owner, you know, huge um, distinction, huge yeah. distinction. Yeah, absolutely. And I, when I talk about some of the things that I don't like about the MLS, I'm not, I'm not an MLS hater. They do some things really, really well, but that's, I mean, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. That's super important uh, that it allows you to have some more identity in your own community it allows you to, I'm, I'm now, as a fan, excited when we sell on a player, one, because I'm excited for them to go on and achieve the next thing in the next big league, or you know whether that's in Europe or MLS or somewhere else. But in addition to that, I know that when we sell that player on, that money's coming right back to the team and we can reinvest it in, whether it's players or facilities or, or whatever it may be, um, you know, that directly benefits my club and my community. There's only one person who I can care less that got signed on to an MLS MLS club, and that's the 18-year-old who's seen some shit. Uh, David, that would be Diego Luna, just so you know. Ah. <laughs> okay. He's, and look, I don't care for the guy. I don't like that he came from El Paso, but he he is actually playing really freaking well for Real Salt Lake right now, and, and I, I hate it because it's El Paso, but I love it because it's a USL player. Uh, and anytime USL players do do better or do good in in other leagues, I get happy about it. We talk about the contract transparency. Um, you know, we know because MLS has the contract transparency that Diego Luga, Diego Luna has a sell on fee. So if Real Salt Lake sells him on to another league, El Paso is going to make some money too. Um, you know, you know it, that would not have been the case if he was sold to another USL team. We wouldn't have known. Um, so that's fun stuff to know. Like that's, that's really cool to know. Um, so yeah, you know, it, I know we, we talked about publicly, um, you know, even though it, we didn't have to, that Carl Santee has a sell-on fee, you know, we, we sold him to, to North Texas slash FC Dallas. And if they sell him on to another league, we will, we'll, we'll see a portion. So that's good. Um, but most USL teams won't, won't include that information. And Robert, I do need to correct Robert in the chat. Um, yes, Diego Luna is 18. He's just seen a lot of dead puppies in the streets of El Paso. I like the Danny Almonte hashtag, though. That's, that's yeah, a that good one. That was good. That was... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh. So if you haven't got the hint, um, I do believe PETA is going to cancel us after this show. <laughs> <laughs> 
I said I, I said multiple times I do not advocate for fighting of any animals. I just want to throw that out there. Unless it's like uh, I saw a video of like kangaroos attacking people and just being kind of dicks. So maybe okay, now that's just funny. If you try yeah. to box a kangaroo, you deserve to dress kicked. But yeah, they, those things are strong. David, I was on one one seven this afternoon, and one of the questions I got asked was, you know, what what did I think that Coach Quill and Peter Ruby and Edmar Bila can't bring in to help bolster the roster this season? Obviously, we're in a bit of a, an injury issue going on right now, and with you know, uh, and with um, you know, looking at where we're at in terms of injuries and who's been loaned out and who who we have or haven't brought in, putting on the fan hat. Let's put on the fan hat here. Yeah, yeah. What do you think the club needs to do uh, from a roster perspective in order to to bolster the chances this year? Yeah, I think um, one of the things that immediately comes to mind is is kind of the defense. Uh, again, just talking to you from a fan hat, I don't have any info about any potential transfers. But, you know, uh, we loaned out Timothy, um, and he's a good player. I, I liked him. I, you know, watching him in preseason, I know a couple of us uh, talked about him. And about his size, but more importantly than that, what really surprised me was speed. I mean, for a guy that big, he was quick. Um, so, and that's where a lot of our injuries have been too, have been on the defense. Um, so if I'm a fan, that's the first place I look uh, personally. Um, I think that, man, Daniel Bruce might be the signing of the season all of a sudden at number nine. Um, we didn't expect that from him and he's been a lot of fun. So we, I think we have some depth there. Um, so that, that's probably the place, just my opinion as a fan that I would maybe be interested in, um, you know, years he's been hurt and, you know, Will got hurt and fortunately it looks like, you know, Will's already back. It looks like years he's going to be back as well. Um, you know, so hopefully it won't be quite as crucial, but I mean, also Milo Garvanian did really well the other night. I mean, it, losing Suggsy was the absolute worst because he was going to break 20,000 minutes that night. Um, and I, I hoping he's ready to go for El Paso. That would be great. But in his stat, I think Milo played really, really well when he first came into that match when Suggsy got hurt on Wednesday night. Um, I think he did really well um, kind of invading the uh, passing lanes and blocking those off and then distributing really well. I think he struggled in that first match with one V one matchups. But I think in the match on Saturday when he played the full 90, he really remedied that. And I thought his 1v1 defense I thought was significantly better while, again, maintaining kind of that level of excellence on on kind of blocking the passing lanes and distributing well, which are really the three things you want in that position. Um, so it's nice to see that we may have a little more depth there than maybe we previously knew. Um, and I hope Milo continues to do well in that space while Suggsy uh, gets back on the pitch soon and, and breaks, the, breaks the record because he's only – uh, a few minutes away from 20,000 for his career, which would be only the second player to ever accomplish that. And then once he gets to 20,000, there's only 77 minutes more to the all-time record, which is 20,077 uh, for all-time minutes. So excited to see him do that. He's had an incredible career. Long may it continue. Um, I'm pumped to see him do that. Yeah, I know we were up in the box the other night uh, before Suggsy got hurt, and we were all just rooting for him to – to be able to keep going. And I think he's what, 30 minutes away now from. Yeah. It's, it's something it's around there. It's around there. It might be like 24 or something. Yeah, I know. I know it, it was real, a real bummer to see him come out, but hopefully he's doing well. Um, he said, you know, Will's back. Austin uh, years. He's possibly back this weekend. Um, he's going to be out for a little while. Obviously we know we don't have Nava for the whole year. Mm-hmm. What about um, Kyle? I think, uh, I think coach said Kyle is getting close to back as well. 
So, and he'll be, he'll be, again, we talk about that's where our, our injuries have been largely mm-hmm. on the back line. So we'll, we'll take that depth and Kyle's Kyle's a good player. Yeah, I know. I really enjoyed seeing the play that he's done so far this year. Um, outside of that, um, the, over the past three matches with coach Quill, it looks as though he's, he's kind of invigorated the guys in a sense and, and getting the ball forward a lot quicker. You know, obviously putting Brucey there, that nine position has been a little bit has been different, been interesting, but we're seeing more service, at least in my opinion, getting in that area. Now, is it always necessarily resulting in a shot? No, but we're seeing more attempts to get the ball into the dangerous areas. And I think that's something that's going to pay dividends in the long run, as long as they can keep doing that. Yeah. Uh, so in the three matches since Eric take uh, has taken over, uh, we've nearly doubled our average final third entries. Um, and I know that sounds like an obscure stat, um, but it's an important one. You know, we, we talked about a lot. We talked a lot about possession, um, you know, with with Eric. And, and that's something that he likes. He likes to have the ball a lot. But after that first match, you know, the first half of that first match, we had 75.4% possessions, the highest pres- possession percentage we've ever had in any half in the history of this club. And I brought that up to Eric in the post-match press conference. I said, did you know that? He's like, no, I didn't know that. But he said, we can have all the possession we want, and that's really great, but what are we doing with it? Because possession in your own defensive third all the time is not that helpful. Possession where you're consistently back-passing and then you turn the ball over is not that helpful. He talked about the word he used was verticality, going forward, making chances, using that possession to create space, bringing defenders in so that somebody's unmarked, you can create spaces, you can have give and goes, you can attack, right? That That's the crucial thing. And I think we're starting to see that more and more again with those final third entries, right? It's not just these hold the ball, long ball over the top, hold the ball, long ball over the top. Sometimes it works, most of the time it doesn't. And, and then the other thing I would I would just add to that is at times in the past, when we have that situation, right? We've got the ball, we're kind of risk averse, we're a little scared of going forward, taking those risks. So what happens, right? We pass the ball back, we hold possession, we swing it around, and maybe we get a half chance, but then we'll turn the ball over, we concede, it it feels bad, right? Because you've got this kind of neutral, 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 big negative. But if you're taking the risks, you've got the ball, maybe you do swing it around, but then you find the pass in between, you you get those give and go passes. Those are exciting things. You're going from neutral, neutral, negative, neutral, 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 negative. You're going, now you're going neutral, neutral, positive, positive, negative, positive, negative, positive, positive. And those negatives aren't sticking out as much, right? Where if you've gotten all these neutrals and then one negative, the negative's going to stick out. But if you can throw in those pops of positive, all of a sudden, that's what's sticking out. That's what's exciting. That's what makes the football fun to watch. It's when you have the risk and the opportunity. And also, that's just who we are. We take risks as New Mexicans. We try. We fight. That's what we do. So I, I, I didn't blame fans one bit for getting frustrated with all kind of the back passing and, the, and you know, like the not going for it. I get the frustration. Sometimes you have to pass backwards, right? You got to hold on to the ball under pressure, and that makes sense. But why, what, what does that back pass do to allow you to find a way forward? That's the question we should always be asking. I was expecting Earl to come in with, with some back pass uh, canter there, but apparently I'm he's still asleep. trying to figure out how many negative, positive, negative, positive. I mean, I <laughs> he was, he was, he was like counting cards for Earl over there. He was very lost. 
Speaking of taking chances and, and working, you know, working at verticality, El Paso is a very good defensive team. You know, they've been very good all season long. They don't necessarily give up a whole lot of goals. Uh, I will say though, they are at their worst at home. Yeah, which is weird. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're unbeaten on the road. They have three. Their only three losses this season have been at home. That was to open their season. Um, now looking ahead to Saturday, I mean. This is probably going to be one of the tougher matchups we have here in the coming month, um, at least in my opinion anyway, because I look ahead to, to Las Vegas on Tuesday, and I mean, Las Vegas is going to Las Vegas. You never know what they're going to do, and you know, maybe they'll do a money drop at, at halftime again. Who knows? But um, I'm really intrigued to see what happens on Saturday, and I think this is one that despite El Paso's form, I think we can go in there and, and put an end to it. I agree with you. I agree with you on that. I think it's not going to be easy, but if you had told any of us a couple months ago that we would be looking at El Paso away as one of our toughest matchups, I think we probably would have been a little suspect. You know, I, I don't think, again, to your, to the earlier point that you guys made where you guys did your prediction show and you guys all had them out of the playoff picture. I think one of you might have had them barely sneaking in. I think Earl, you may have had them sneaking in. Um but none of us, none of us, myself included, expected them to be at the top of the Western Conference right now. So certainly can't take that for granted. They've played really well. They deserve to be at the top of the Western Conference right now. But I do think that we can match up well with them. And I also think that maybe they don't know what to expect from an Eric Quill football team. Um, and so I think all that plays in our favor. Add that to the add to that the fact that we've played well in there historically. We've had some last-minute goals. We've had some fun there. I think we can go in there and get three points. I really do. And won't that feel good? It, feel it really good. would. It really would. That was one of the things we were kind of hoping to talk to Coach about tonight. His Now, we know that he was at the lab for the first matchup between the two sides this year. Uh, we we kind of want to get his thoughts on his first uh, his first time being at the helm during the Derby del Camino Real. So, yeah, this is one that we've all been around for five years now. It's obviously one of the, one of the hotter tickets, you know, one of the hotter matchups and historically it's been a very physical affair. <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, we don't know if you, we know Yuma missed the last match. I don't know if he's going to be there for this one on Saturday or not. Um, I hope so. Yeah. I, I, I kind of hope so as well. You know, the master of the dark arts needs to be put in this place, but um yeah, he's, I think this is one that we can go down and we can we have a sneaky chance of getting three points on the yeah. road down there. I think so. And it's uh, I think with any new coach coming to a new team, they there's a lot of things they need to adjust to, a lot of things they need to learn. I think one of those things is learning about rivalries too, right? Like Eric, you know, probably didn't care much about El Paso Locomotive before he joined New Mexico United, but he's going to care now. Right. And, and he's going to I think one thing that he's done really, really well in the early going is um, really tap into fans and listen to fans really well at every opportunity. We had that um, that welcome thing at, at the Sandia Sports Bar uh, where fans got to ask him some questions. And uh, then we watched the USA Mexico match. But he, he it, you could tell it meant a lot to him to hear from the fans um, and to hear. I mean, that's where. In my mind, that's where the attacking football mentality, in, at least in some part, has come from. He, you know, he's hurt. Fans want us to take risks. Fans want us to go for it. Um, and so when he hears, and I'm sure he already has, that, oh, we got to beat El Paso, he's going to take that to heart. 
All right, well, David, as you know, we do scoreline predictions. Uh, so we'll go ahead and get that out of the way here for El Paso. And since the Vegas ni- Vegas match is on Tuesday night, we'll get, we'll get predictions on that one as well here in just a minute. Uh, Earl, do you have anything to add before we get our scores? So, yeah, you said that El Paso doesn't know, and I think it was maybe you or David, one of the two. Um, you guys said that El Paso probably doesn't know what to do or probably doesn't know what to expect from a Coach Quill team. Do we know? I mean, we just saw Daniel Bruce plays a nine. No, I love it. And I love it. That's fun. Dude, coaches talked about finding different ways to win. I love not knowing what's next. I historically get the line, the lineup predictions wrong, by the way. So I, I kind of always don't know what's coming. But I think even more so, I think that's a good thing that none of us are. We can have fun with it. We can do our predictions. We can guess. But ultimately, I want a coach who's going to keep us and consequentially the opponent guessing. Yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, watching the match and I certainly didn't expect a four, one, four, one, you know, out of possession and then to see what it turned into, you know, in, in the attacking, in the attacking uh, half of the game. So like, it was definitely a, a fun, fun transition to watch and to see where the players were at and the movements. And it was definitely a different watch from what we've seen over the past few years and, Definitely going to be some more exciting moments in the weeks and months to come under Coach Quill. So, uh, Jacob, Saturday night, Southwest University Park. What's your prediction? Let's go. Oh, I hope Jerry's listening. I really do hope he's listening. <laughs> um, just so I can get the clown music when I'm wrong. Uh, 3-1 New Mexico. 3-1. All right. I like All that. Right. I think so. We saw Alex get, I think it's 502nd save. 501. He's at 501. 501. I knew it was over 500 for sure. Um, before I do my prediction, Robert, I think we're under red cards. I don't think we get red cards in this one. I think it's a bunch of a shit ton of yellows, but I don't think any reds fly. Um, I think Alex gets some more saves in his pocket and we go out with 2 0. I like that too. It'd be, it'd be nice to see a clean sheet again. Um, yeah, and had one since Miami. Yeah, uh, a bit unfortunate with Kalen's own goal the other night. That, but the thing is, that's not Kalen's fault. No. Uh, I think I think I, I mentioned it on the broadcast right away. But he has to do that. He has mm-hmm. to. Otherwise, it's an easy tap in. So if he gets his foot on it, there's a chance it goes wide of frame. It was super selfless of him to do that and, you know, take the risk and know, knowing that there's a decent chance that it could go off his foot and into the goal. So no fault to Kalen on that. He did exactly what he should have done. Yeah, no, great round by Kalen. He was, his positioning was great. He was right where he needed to be. Just unfortunate the ball ended up in the back of the net. Yeah. Um, all right. I'll go and give mine. We'll, we'll end up this round with, with David's. Um, you will not end it with David. I'm going to tell you now, David David's not do predictions. predictions. You've been trying. You've been slowly trying to get me to agree to it. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I, I, I think we with with guys coming back from injury. I think we see uh, a little bit, a little bit better performance from the back line. Not that they were terrible on Saturday against Colorado Springs. I felt like they had a very good performance. Um, I do think we get the clean sheet. Um, I don't think it's going to be two nil though. I do think it's going to be one nil. I think it's going to be really tight. Um, obviously rivalry match. It's going to be it's going to be tense. Guys are going to be you know flying all over. Um, I, I think one nil United on the road. 
I will take any one of those three results. Those would be <laughs> wonderful. Uh, so that means each of those means three points. So on the road at the team at the top of the Western Conference to go in there and take three points would be magnificent. They're actually in second place. Oh, they they uh, dropped back down, but yeah, still exactly. in top. Gotcha. All right, and uh, again Tuesday night, Las Vegas Lights, bottom of the Western Conference right now. Um, not exactly having a great season out there. Um, honestly, I don't even know what's going to happen with them here in the coming years. Who knows what happens with their, with their funding, with their ownership. Um, but again, Cashman field, a place where anything can happen. Pools, money drops, money drops, fireworks, you know, confetti all over the field at halftime. Sounds like I need to book my ticket. (laughs) I will say, I think, I don't know if I mentioned this last time I was on the podcast. They have like one of my favorite hashtags ever. I, I, I'm sure you guys have seen like Premier League teams. Like I think Everton has like C O Y B I B. Come on, you boys in blue. They have C O Y B I C. Come on, you boys in confetti. I think that's hilarious. That's so <laughs> funny. That's so funny. That is, that's that's very fitting for them as well. Um, yeah. yeah, I know the last time we played up there, they did something at halftime. It was just conf- oh, it was a water balloon fight. They did the water. Cool. I think it was the water balloon fight they did last time. There's water balloon pieces everywhere. You could see them like trying to pick up. I'm like, there's no way. There's just no when way. I went there in 2019, they did two dollar tequila night, which is a horrible idea. Can you imagine if they did that now, Albuquerque? The place would burn down. <laughs> that would be awful. That would be horrible. It does burn down with twelve dollar beer nights. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, obviously we won't be here Tuesday night. Uh, no show then. Uh, we'll probably push the show next week until Wednesday. But uh, let's get our Las Vegas predictions. Earl. 3-0. Ooh. <laughs> Earl stepping out on the limb. Jacob. No, go ahead, Seth. All right. Um, Again, another great opportunity for us to, to flex some offensive muscle. I think we do some great things against Las Vegas. Um, I think two two nil. Yeah, I'm I'm convinced that we're cursed this year as far as uh, what was that? I know what you guys Seth, one, Seth wants you to say five goals. No, that was <laughs> the version of the five dollar foot long five. <laughs> Five dollars. Remember when they used to five dollar footlongs? Sounds like eleven bucks. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, no, so I, I'm convinced that we're cursed with clean sheet or like a lack of clean sheets. Like I, I can't. I know that we personally have never had a season of so many own goals and deflected goals and nonsense. And you factor that in, you factor that we're going to Las Vegas, which we've already talked about the nonsense that happens at Cashman Field. Um, I, I could be somewhat wrong, but I think historically we really haven't played Vegas all that well. Um, and so I do think we go and get three points. I don't think it's anywhere near as close or, or near as, as a, much of a blow as, as you guys are saying. Uh, I'm going to go with the score that I famously mock everybody uh for picking uh because it's the most common score that soccer has in my opinion and that's 2-1 uh i do think we we come out of there with with three points but it's not an easy three points uh especially with a quick turnaround uh after trying to give el paso uh i'm gonna i'm gonna assume that the players feel about it the same way that i do and say we'll give el paso our our a plus effort and then we turn around three days later and play in Vegas, that's not going to be 
a good time no matter what, uh, in my opinion. So I, I do think it's uh, a lot closer than that. So I, I'm going to say 2-1. So all three of you guys predicting six points mm-hmm. for those next two matches. Love that. That's going to make uh, Detroit City at home a lot of fun. That will be. I, I've got that one circled. I'm looking forward to that one. Um, I know that their fan base is uh, quite vocal. They are vocal. Uh, yeah. And uh, I know Detroit is not quite living up to standards so far this season. So that's going to be an interesting, interesting match back at home for Salute to Service Night. So I went to the match that we played in Detroit uh, last season and had a, had a good time out there. Their fans were, were very fun. They were fun. They were passionate. <laughs> That they are. Um, so I think, unless you guys have any more questions for David. No? All right. Well, okay, actually, I do. I, I can't have you on the podcast and not bring this up. Um, yes, your forehead is a little bigger than mine, but not much bigger. Just a little bit. Just a hair. Yeah. I, I yeah. win that battle. Um, what I don't have is four consecutive second place teams. Um, five. five. Well, five? Yeah. Oh, Oh yeah, the team that I muted you for, huh? No, no, no. Hey, so, so, so actually, so we've got Eagles, yeah, Phillies, Phillies, Union, Miami Heat, Heat. Oh, and our and then, Arsenal, so, yeah, Philadelphia Union, yeah. So I, yeah. it was it was still Arsenal that I was forgetting about on purpose, yeah. probably. Yeah. So, um, so since you opened up the door, Jacob, before before you continue, um, without me losing my press credentials and my press, my media day, whatever. <laughs> Um, I was told today that your forehead can land a damn jet. Mine? Yeah. Okay. So, who told you that? And there's a reason why I love her. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. That's, that's, that's the one. I, I opened up the door, but that's that's the only one. As long as it's her and not somebody you work with, a.k.a. we work with. So No, so I um, told her that I'm not allowed to say anything because I don't want to lose my, my press emails. <laughs> So is this coming from you and you're just using her as an excuse to say, okay, all right, fine. Anyways, back to the point. So who do we, who does New Mexico United lose to in the championship? That's what I was getting at. No, they're going to be the one to break it, man. They're going to be the one to win the whole thing. That's it. I, I would take it. I would take all of my other teams finishing in second place if it meant United lifted the cup. I would take it on heart. I would take my other teams finishing in last if it meant United lifted the cup. I would do that. I would take Arsenal getting relegated if it meant United lifting. Oh, dear God, please. (laughs) You're a hell of a lot closer than we are, pal. Um, You know, you talk about, you talk about all my teams finishing second. We could be Tottenham. It could be way worse. So yeah, you could be about to lose Harry Kane. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Enjoy that. He shouldn't, he'll enjoy, he'll enjoy Germany. Yeah. I will. Cause I'm a Bundesliga fan anyway. So there you go. So, um, yeah, what I was saying, you know, David, where can folks follow you? Where can they find you? Is there anything else you like a shout out in terms of, you know, a club, a academy, anything else going on? Yeah, um, like I said, tomorrow, Academy and U23s uh, up in Santa Fe at Santa Fe High School, Ivanhead Stadium. Support those guys. They are wonderful representatives of the club um, and what we strive to continue to create, uh, which is opportunities for every New Mexican. Um, they are also really good at soccer. They're in first place, each of them. Um, and then on Friday um, at the Doubletree uh, downtown uh, is going to be a drag show um, that we're doing um, that is going to support, uh, raise funds to uh, support the Somos Unidos Foundation um, and really just continue to, to you know, show our pride. Uh, so those are a couple things coming up. We'd love for you guys to be part of them. 
Um, really looking forward to them. And then uh, let's get a couple wins over the next week and come back against Detroit City loud and proud. David Weezy Carl, thank you so much for stepping in. We appreciate you as always. And uh, hopefully the next time we schedule a, a time with Coach, he doesn't have a power outage. But uh, you were, He was back. very apologetic. Asked me to apologize to you guys, and he's absolutely willing to come back on. Yeah, no, absolutely. We can't wait to have him on. But David, you're always a, you're always a favorite of ours, a favorite of the folks you know popping in. We had, I think we had close to 30 people watching us tonight, which is a phenomenal numbers at, at one point. So it's because um, they all thought Coach was on. That's, <laughs> that's but that's okay. We'll take it. It might have been, but no, I mean, you're a fantastic guest as always, always a great conversationalist and I uh, just love hearing more from you because I have an interest in, you know, the front office side of things. Like I would love to to learn more and talk to you know, guys like Ron and Itamar and some of the other stuff, you know, get, get to know more about that. Cause we, we talked to you, we talked to, uh, to the coaches, you know, we talked to Pete, but we don't hear too much about the, about the business side of things. So yeah, That's definitely absolutely. something that I'm interested in doing. So. Cool. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I always appreciate it. And uh, I think you guys know when I'm not on here as a guest, I, I I enjoy tuning in. So keep up the great work, guys. There's Carlos. Yeah. Appreciate you, David, as always. Uh, Jacob, with all that being said, why don't you get us out of here? Yeah. So as Seth said, uh, we have a match next Tuesday. So obviously uh, we will not have this next Tuesday. Um, we will. Well, I should say. Uh, Seth and Earl will be here Thursday or Wednesday night. Um, we're, we're at the point where I basically have the next five months, six months, uh, through December 8th to determine the rest of my life, uh, which sounds a little dramatic, but it is true. Uh, I have a dream job right now, uh, that I, I love and, and don't want to lose, but I, in order to keep it, I have to both qualify and pass the police academy. Uh, so I will be stepping back um, for the foreseeable future until after that point. Um, I won't be going to the academy until the 14th of August. Uh, but uh, in order to prep for getting into it and, and gearing up for it, as well as, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, three, three little kids and a newborn, um, while also trying to do my job of running a state park is been a little daunting lately. And so I uh, just feel like I need to to kind of take a step back and, and uh, probably won't be at, uh, but maybe one more game this year. And um, <laughs> thank you, Carlos. And so, uh, yeah, just gonna, gonna do what I got to do to get uh, through this. And then uh, once I get through it, I'll be back. I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I, I will still, still very much a part of this. Um, it's been five years now that I've been a pretty big part of it and, and I'm not, not going anywhere, just kind of having to take a step back. I will probably be on when we have coach, um, uh, once we get coach scheduled back up, uh, and, and who knows, I might, you know, if, if things are going good and I've got, you know, an hour and I actually watched the match and, and was able to watch in full, I might pop on, uh, to give some, some two cents that nobody asked for, but, uh, uh, other than that, yeah, I will be I'll be taking a step back. So next Wednesday or next yeah next Wednesday, um, it will be Seth and Earl, and maybe Seth will, will find a guest. I don't know. Seth is is going on vacation this week, so hopefully he can just focus on that and not have to worry about what's coming up next week. But um, still going to be watching the games. Still going to be rooting really hard for New Mexico United. Um, and so with that, uh, for Seth and Earl, um. And, and obviously we want to thank David for, for filling in here, but uh, for Seth and Earl, uh, they'll, they'll see you next week. And, and for 
Um, whenever I can get back, until then, guys, somos amigos. You've been listening to Somos Mas, your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United, the USL, and the New Mexico Runners. All of our shows are recorded live on Tuesday nights and are streamed on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter pages. An audio-only version of the show goes live later in the week on all major podcast platforms. Our show is written and produced by Seth Bidoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto, and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using StreamYard and Audacity.